Mikey Mike. Hey. It's been a while. How are you? Good, good. It's yeah. been a while. How's it going? Is it still nice and warm in California? It is pretty beautiful. We even had rain, which is like very uncommon for us. Yeah. Rain counts for good weather there. It does actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're we're approaching the winter here, um, and uh, there's yeah we're we're doing fine. It was a great day today. Uh, blue sky, sunny, but mm -hmm. we're getting our winter coats out already. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, this is the Americanist podcast. My name is Johannes Ehrmann over in Berlin. I'm joined by my dear friend and accomplished scholar over in Stanford, Mike Bayoki. Um, who will give us some good news updates today. Um, it's a good news episode, special Americanist. Um, we've talked so much about bad things, coronavirus, Trump, yeah, and, I mean, other, this time and other diseases. <laughs> Remember how panicky I was last, this time last year? That would have been a week before the election or something. That's right, yeah. Yeah, you were pretty <laughs> on the edge back then, right? That's a little tense. <laughs> It was not, not really a very fun time for any of us. Uh, the world was holding its breath. Uh, so maybe, maybe first off, okay, I know we do good news, but is the guy going to come back at some point? Just very quick. <laughs> yes. Uh, and it's not clear in exactly what way. Um, you know, part, part of it is that it's just like a really good way to get lots of national attention and to make mm. products that he can make money off of so like that's like he is drawn as if like to catnip like that's like one of his favorite things is attention and money making um so he will play the sort of will i won't i maybe i will maybe i won't for as long as possible and mm. i bet he will run um okay and cool. uh yeah and we all look forward to that so let's go today be good for the world, good for America. Um, moving on to other positive news. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're there's a bit of a discussion right now here because people are, I think, also remembering the same time last year when we we're entering uh, the first full winter with the pandemic, uh, and none of us were vaccinated at the time. That has obviously changed. Um, we're all, uh, well, everyone who wanted basically. Uh, could have had uh, two jabs by now. The question is, is that going to be enough? Uh, let's talk about booster. And I know you're very close to the medical community there uh, and the uh, epidemiology community. Yeah. Um, so give me a quick update uh, on, sure. the, on the booster shots. Do I need to get one? When do I need to get one? Yeah. My second vaccination was in July, I believe. So yeah. uh, is it time yet? Uh, do I, can I wait until January? Is it? Uh, should it be under the Christmas tree? Um, <laughs> Do I need that to get one at all? Or? Quite the, that, that'd be quite the Christmas morning. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, you know, so uh, I am not a medical professional, right? Yes, you um, are. <laughs> I guess technically I'm It's a good news. Play yourself up. Okay, it's a good news I podcast. I am the most knowledgeable person. Please. On. Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's looking like it's probably worthwhile getting, a, a, you know, a booster shot and probably about at the six-month mark. Um, Six month mark. So it's will be end of January for me. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's right. And you know, uh, I think we are probably going to get a little bit of a uh, another wave during the winter period. That's going to be a, like a tough period, just like it was last year. That's when we really had a lot of deaths here in the United States. Um, mm -hmm. And so, yeah, we're going to see. So, you know, if you if you're one of the early people who got boosted or you know got the vaccination, you, you should start looking at your cards and figuring out when you were mm. boosted, and, and it's probably worth going back and getting another one. Um, we're not talking about major differences, 
you know, maybe things, you know, let, let's just, pretend, these are pretend numbers at the moment, but like, you know, something like maybe it's like 70% effective now, the booster is going to bring you up to like 85 or something like that. We're not talking about a mm-hmm. huge gargantuan difference, but is it, mm-hmm. does it move you in the right direction? Oh yeah, definitely does. And you know, there's, there seems to be minimal cost. Yeah. So I think I'm going to, I've been mixing it up with these vaccinations, you know, I started off with an AstraZeneca, yeah. uh, then had a Moderna on top. Great. Uh, yeah. I think maybe go Sputnik or so this time, or the China one. <laughs> totally forgot what do you, what do you think? Is this gonna uh, is this gonna yeah, increase no, my chances to like, to be yeah. immune against anything? Like, yeah, you know. So okay, great question, and that's like one of those things that like everybody get socialism, maybe <laughs> get all of them, collect all of them. Um, <laughs> you know, so basically, Moderna seems to be just kicking butt, um, mm-hmm. and there's some debate as to whether like it's the the vaccine itself or maybe it's like a little bit about the dosing and the amount that's in there or whatever mm-hmm. but the mrna that's sort of like the uh, um the pfizer and uh the moderna um mm-hmm. are just so good and that's mm-hmm. part of what we're going to talk about a little bit um is, is the moderna technology. is the moderna now even has it surpassed biontech as sort of the most effective <laughs> at this point <laughs> i love that we both call it different like i call it pfizer you call it biontech um yeah, yeah. The biontech is the german part of it <laughs> i know i don't yeah. Doesn't sound German, but Home it is the German. But. I, actually, Pfizer sounds. Uh, yeah. Sounds uh, yep. I, yeah, who knows? Maybe I, that's, that's probably there's probably a chance that the first Pfizer was a German immigrant from the Palatine area or the Rhineland. Who yeah. knows? Yeah. We should look this up. It's probably yeah, true. Yeah. There's, there's essentially no doubt in my mind. I mean, that, that's sort of where like the company. Yeah. You're basically um, all German anyway. Yeah, we're, so. <laughs> we pretend we're English and we're really you know we're really German and I'm Italian. Yeah. Um, so let's see. So, yeah, I mean, like, we're not talking huge differences between, like, Moderna and Pfizer. But, yeah, you know, so let me let me say it this way, <laughs> is uh, looking at the people in my community, so, you know, epidemiologists mm-hmm. and folks who are doing infectious disease work, um, the, the trend seems to be, you know, if you were one of the early people who got Johnson & Johnson, you will definitely switch to Moderna. If you're okay. if you were early Moderna, you're going to stay with Moderna, and if you're mm-hmm. Pfizer, it seems to be sort of like okay, you know, I'll go, I'll continue with Pfizer or Moderna. Like I just got my booster um, earlier this week, and I, I you I already have your booster. I got my booster. Can't you tell, dude? I, like, we're, I this, we're like, six and a half minutes in, and now you're telling me you already had your booster. <laughs> you mean to brag? If I had known before, <laughs> this, not even talked about this if i had known this it makes me so jealous yeah, no, this now. is this whole episode is Jesus just about Christ. me getting the booster and how cool it is see that's how close you are to that community i, t- yeah. I told you <laughs> damn it probably hand it out just like you know they used to hand out milk in the in the preschool oh yeah no they send someone here and they like yeah, yeah. um at my door no, no jesus christ <laughs> nepotism so yeah i mean like the astrazeneca um the uh johnson and johnson it probably makes sense if you took those to see if you can get one of the mrna there is a pretty mm-hmm. big step up there um maybe mm-hmm. a small edge to team moderna um at this point point. Right. and you know it's not clear if it's necessarily the tech might be dosing like that kind of stuff but like yeah it's probably worth a booster and also I'll, while we're here i'll just say like i you know the, nobody's sure but the flu um since it sort of was quiet and like um mm-hmm. uh, uh, it, it's probably the case that this year will be also quiet given the flu but now that people are starting to emerge um in the next year or something like that we're probably going to see a rebound effect like that's sort of what people are guessing um i'm already yeah. seeing that in my five-year-olds <laughs> yes right 
<laughs> we already had. It's not even really fall yet. So it's already the third round of of uh, kindergarten illnesses. Yeah, and everybody's like sort of like in my in my circle is like everybody's like sort of like, do I have uh, yeah, uh, COVID? And it's like, well, it's it's actually probably the flu. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Um, All sorts of viruses flying around this winter. So. Yeah, yeah. yeah and then one of the other things that's been sort of hard is because everything's been kind of quiet on that front. Nobody, mm-hmm. the usual. Last winter was perfect, dude. Oh, yeah. last winter I mean, was we, the best. There's actually like sort of people talking now about like we can probably get rid of the flu. Like we can like probably several of the strains can die out if we really like to the level mm-hmm. like if we were to implement something like this, you know, what we did during uh, mm-hmm. COVID, we could probably eradicate it. Like which has not been something, you know, that's that's a little bit on the extreme. But like you oh mean just gosh, locking like, ourselves down and not meeting and yeah, I mean like there's well so one of the because of how scary this was we learned a bunch of things we did a bunch mm. of things that we normally wouldn't do mm-hmm. and there are consequences and we can watch what happened to the flu or we can watch what happened with the mrna technologies like and so that's mm. what that's what we'll talk about a bit today um mm-hmm. but like uh yeah one of the one of the interesting things is like oh my gosh things that we thought we were always going to have to have like the flu like maybe there are several mm. things that we can do to actually greatly diminish maybe even eradicate it's like you know like mm. These are not things that we thought were possible, and then when we really made a concerted effort internationally, um, you know, things started looking possible. It was, it was kind of neat. I mean, like, Sounds good. yeah, there's more things possible <laughs> that we could do. Yeah. Um, anything else on the uh, on the boosters before we move on to the uh, well, mRNA? Yeah, the one last thing that I want to toss out, which I see as really positive news, is you know we're starting to approve here in the United States like vaccination for the very young folks. So um, I think Pfizer was just mm. preliminarily approved for the five to 11 year olds that's awesome i mean those I, I, uh, kids are great but they're little snot factories they generate all these like you know the, and the, uh, they're always putting things in their mouth they're like hugging people they're just germ vectors bug mm. vectors and so once we get them vaccinated that's going to be a really nice um mm. they they tend to you know not have huge consequences themselves but like mm. they seem to pass transport. it on yeah mm. so mm. That's like sort of the last front, a major front in the vaccination, uh, and, and that'll be great. Mm-hmm. Um, and you already mentioned it, the the mRNA. Uh, this seems to be a, a pretty neat technology. Yes. Um, yes. That's it's basically that's it was basically the breakthrough for that technology. This pandemic, yeah. right? Yeah, if I, that's if I right. Correctly, um, and I I read about it some some time ago that uh, from these founders from BioNTech. These two Germans um, who want, uh, I think they were talking about cancer cure or treatment. Um, So can you tell me more details on this? Because I'm not obviously the expert on that. Um, So what could could we expect possibly? And I know it's always, you know, depending on how the studies go. And it's sort of always a very, very sort of long-term process. So no one should expect next year to have like the next uh, miracle medicine here. Right. But so, what on what fields are they researching, and what's oh, what could man. that be? There's used like on? several fields. So mm-hmm. you're right. I think the biggest target right now, well, the biggest target is obviously infectious disease. Um, mm-hmm. It just <laughs> they did such a good job um, with uh, this coronavirus, and like so now everybody's thinking, well, what other ones can we transport it to? Should we start thinking about the regular influenza and that kind of stuff? Mm-hmm. Um, the the next biggest is like you said is cancer is like basically there's a couple different models so again this is not my area of expertise but i just have been super fascinated so i've been reading about it Mm -hmm. so there's a couple different um 
basically what you're doing is you're training the, the cells inside of your body to produce the proteins that are needed to sort of do whatever you want. And the delivery mechanism is so precise mm-hmm. because you're basically giving it the exact blueprint for the proteins that you want. Um, and the delivery mechanism is sort of what we're learning about. So this technology exists in the 90s and that kind of stuff, and it's sort of slowly building. And the fact that we really deployed on an international scale and you got to see all the possible ways it could go wrong, and they mm. didn't really go wrong um, to a large mm. degree, it makes people very excited that we roughly knew what was going on and we can probably start expanding it. So cancer. Um, there's a couple different ways people might do it. Maybe you'll pull it out of the, you'll pull some cells out of the body, sort of train them, you know, using these mRNA and then like put it back in. And um, maybe you can deliver it directly in like through like the boosters and that kind of stuff. But like, uh, it looks like it can be highly tailored to uh, go after the kinds of proteins that are being generated by, mm-hmm. by these cancers, like mm-hmm. train up the immune system to go directly after those, which is very exciting. <laughs> Um, so that, that could basically effectively push back some cancers that oh, yeah. were so yeah. far pretty much untreatable or just yeah. could be slowed oh, down right. a little bit at the best. Yes. I mean, we're talking about like some of the most fundamental mechanisms in that the cancers use to grow themselves and mm. produce stuff. Like so, in so like cut it from the root, basically, or like you know. uh, maybe like starve it or something like that, or uh, maybe like okay. sort of suffocate yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, that that maybe is the better mm-hmm. analogy there. Okay, and that would in um, mm-hmm. basically it can't do the things that it should be doing, so it's just going to start to shrivel, kind of thing, mm-hmm. um, which would be so exciting. <laughs> I mean, and I can't tell you like one of the, so right now, if you think of like chemotherapy or something like that, which is like one of our strongest, or you think about like going in like doing surgery, you're really like damaging the body relatively indiscriminately, right? It, it's it's mm-hmm. kind of tailored, but the, the chemotherapy is going to sort of like brought. But like your immune system, which travels around your body and it's meant to sort of like check everything and differentiate between good cells and bad cells, um, it, you know, you that precision, its ability to look at mm. some cells that are like cancerous and know precisely that that's what it needs to attack. That's what we're what, that's what we're starting to be able to do with this hmm. um, to very precisely and like, um, yeah. Oh, man. So <laughs> sounds I mean sounds pretty exciting and uh, sounds like this shitty last one and a half years might have been yeah. good for something in the end. Oh, yeah, yeah. And and again, it's like a technology that's been slowly developing. And one of the things that I think science is good at, or like medicine is good at, is like being cautious to do no harm. Like, so we build up a lot of trust, because, but we move slowly. And I think that you saw a lot of tension during the pandemic to be like, hey, we need frontline defenses right now, get everything out there. And medicine being like... We don't could do you quickly. could you tell this to uh, uh, some people here, um, especially some uh, pro athletes uh, who just refuse to get vaccinated? Uh, that actually medicine is there. Oh, uh, it goes through this long, big process, uh, even vaccinations against yeah. COVID, that are basically there to prevent harm. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's also interesting if you listen to some folks who are very vaccine hesitant. They're like, "This moved too fast," um, mm. and, and so it's a really it's a tough battle i mean like in the united states hundreds of thousands of people died you know we probably we did have the technology you know just a couple of weeks into the pandemic mm. but we felt like we had to test it and roll it out which is i, I believe so whew. hey speaking about fast uh, i have a couple couple complaints uh you know there was um friends friends of ours uh who have been meaning to put this wonderful wooden sauna in their yard yeah. and it's just not being delivered 
Um, and there's uh, my sister ordered a wardrobe. She just moved house, and uh, she's like, they can't even tell her when it's gonna be there. Yeah. She's like, what's going on with the wood supply? Have you guys bought it all up, or you know, what's 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 <laughs> happening there? The Chinese? Yeah. Is it the Chinese yeah. again? I, so things are just not moving, right? Like basically, the international like supply chain seized up in a way that nobody's really anticipated. Well, is the yeah. Suez Canal blocked again? What's what's going on? Man, so are they are they drawing penises happen. again in the Mediterranean <laughs> with their with their GPSs? <laughs> this was this was wonderful. Was this last year or this year? I don't know. I don't remember. It was, a, it was definitely year. a sight to so behold. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was wonderful. Yeah. I you know like that is you know so yes like uh, there's some stuff that has stopped like appearing on the shelves here too. Do you are you guys getting that across the board or is it just wood for you guys? Not so much across the board yet. Yeah. We've seen some raise of prices. Uh, um, but yeah, I mean as I, those those examples are true examples. So I, yeah. there's definitely like from wood I, I heard it um, people who are, you know, want to build houses uh, so forth yeah. it's being delayed sometimes it's not even clear when. Um, so what, what what can we do to fix it? I mean, we're the we're the oh, geez, good I, news I podcast. <laughs> I don't know about that part. So, <laughs> my spin on this, like you know, is mm. that like here in the United States, part of it is that there are certain kinds of workers who um, are not who have been part of the supply chain who are like maybe I don't want to do this. Um, hmm. So yeah, so that, actually, before I get there, let's like zoom back out. There's been a lot of international connectivity in our supply chains, like you know uh, computer chips being produced in parts of asia move to germany to produce a car that gets shipped to the united states or something like that right like many different types and maybe like the design was made here in the united states it's very easy for those parts of the supply chain to break down and i do kind of worry about like there's a moment right now where a bunch of different countries have different regulations about you know who can move and you know uh between different countries and immunizations and all that kind of stuff and that's part of what's going on here in the United States, there's another part of the story, which is basically people are like, this job sucks, <laughs> and I don't have to do it. <laughs> so Wait, like, people don't want to work for Amazon anymore? <laughs> that's right, yeah. I mean, peeing in a bottle is not nearly as cool as it sounds. Yeah. I, I heard, so just quick yeah. uh, in, interlude here. I heard that in some, uh, especially more remote places where they like to go because it's cheap, Amazon, yeah. um, there actually they have had such a high turnover uh, in their facilities that they're running out of workforce to even employ because oh my God. either the people are already currently employed or they used to be employed in the past and quit or were fired, yeah. <laughs> mostly no. quit. And so, yeah, the kind of like the hire and fire method there is kind of backfiring. Yeah, it's scary, right? I mean, like the, the churn that they're going through uh, because they're just a gargantuan company and they have such like extreme uh, turn. Uh, sorry, like throughput, like the amount of work that they're putting on these people. Like mm-hmm. I totally understand why they want to jettison that. And I think like while it's while it's definitely a downside, like I think a lot of people uh, of being locked, you know, basically people were sort of locked up and a lot of the normal stuff that you would do like disappeared. But that also means that a lot of the excess spending, you know, didn't happen. The sort of smaller stuff that kind of adds up a bit. Um, and, you know, there were here in the United States, we have essentially no safety net. <laughs> like we mm-hmm. have like very little protections for people who aren't currently working. And even when you're working, we allow you to get exploited. You know, there's so people very, have to rely on themselves, basically. Yeah. 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 There's no there's nothing like, you know, good unions anymore. Like there's only a handful of unions that exist. And, you know, and, and yeah, so. 
we started providing benefits and oh my gosh, like now people with just a little bit of protection are starting to say, take this job. Because <laughs> I'm like- Shove it where the sun don't shine. <laughs> yeah, which I'm, I'm like happy to see. And it makes me feel like, you know, there's a, there's a strength in America that we could have if we started protecting a lot of these workers better. Like mm. it just is, it's an exciting moment to realize essentially what's happening, what you're seeing in the United States in part is workers starting to kind of like act collectively as like a like almost like a, a, an independent union or something like that that's a very silly concept but basically <laughs> like they're they're collectively being like i don't want to do this stupid job mm. and i think that's forcing especially low-wage jobs here to rethink how they've been treating workers um you know so, i mean it'd be better if we did this intentionally and we did it prospectively but there's a moment here where i hope we're going to see better conditions for uh, a lot of people and you know even you know i've, I've mostly been concerned about like sort of low-wage workers you know restaurant workers you know mm-hmm. truck drivers like people well the truck drivers are not really low wage but like you know, people with tougher work conditions start to be able to have a bit of power and be like you know we want to reset our schedules or re- and i think that's going to be really good but it's even happening at like sort of mid-level upper level with people sort of being able to negotiate like i'm going to work from home this commute mm-hmm. is killing me i want to spend more time with my kids mm-hmm. so it was a little crazy the last year and a half or whatever you know but i think we've learned a lot of like hey maybe especially in the united states right i mean we we have no vacations we have mm-hmm. you know we work ourselves a lot and so your highways are crowded as hell as well oh god it's ugly i i went to work (laughs) has this this improved at all since you know briefly but no yesterday Mm -hmm. i sat in traffic for you know like my you know uh so during the worst time of commutes like it's probably about uh, 45 minutes from my place um by car you know and on a very clear you know nobody's there it's probably 15 minutes um if i bicycle it's like 25 to 30 minutes so it's actually slower <laughs> by car most of the time or you know during peak traffic time so yeah it's crazy Dan. like we have no public transit uh, uh transit here in this part of uh, california uh, maybe you should get one of these e-scooters or so and then just yeah. like, sort of zigzag jet, your way through the jetpack through yeah, the traffic yeah or jet or jetpack yeah yeah i mean sure sure elon musk or or or, or jeff bezos have some nice <laughs> penis shaped uh device that you can use <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure it's it's gonna hit the market soon as soon, oh man as soon as the uh, supply chains are back up um, so yeah with that i mean do we have just have to go more regional i mean we're, we're, we're already trying to do that with our vegetables here is, is this sort of yeah, like the way I, to move forward i think you're right i think there's there's some benefits that we're going to see like where people start putting that put big chunks of their supply chain more locally and that's that's nice because like basically part of the reason that supply chains have been able to move internationally is like we have not been taking into account like energy costs in the way that we should and the sort of the consequences for environment uh, the environment to that you know like a lot of these like big um shipping vessels are extreme polluters um but because they work in international waters they're not well regulated like that kind of stuff yeah. and because they like to draw weird shapes uh, in international waters too we should add <laughs> This was actually that. this was actually to burn fuel as well. I think is that time. true? I didn't know yeah, that part of the story. So. Yeah. Or were they just bored? I don't know. Maybe yeah, I just made it. Mean, but maybe I mean, could have been could have been a combination of both. Just uh, wonderful use of, of of waste. We should link to that in the show. We absolutely should. Where are we? I mean, I think like the supply chain stuff. I think it's an important story. I think there's going to be some changes here. Like I think like um, I like the world being interconnected. I think like if we mm-hmm. have to worry about like computers not showing up if we get into a, a major fight with 
parts of China, like, then, you know, like, we don't get into a fight with parts of China, right? Like, everybody mm-hmm. understands that there's this. I like that. Uh, but I also sort of think that there's some something healthy about being able to produce different parts of your mm-hmm. supply chain domestically and having some more resilience. You know, I am not a supply chain expert, but things like just in time, like where basically like you don't have to have like warehousing or like slack in the supply chain. It's efficient mm-hmm. theoretically, but when things start seizing up, stuff gets really bad. So I, I hope that we start teaching people that having a little bit more slack in the supply chain, a little bit more, you know, warehousing of things like that might be really good and we might be able to absorb some more costs. Like in the same way that we do with banking, like, you know, mm-hmm. banking got to the point in 2008 where the margins, not even, I should, I should be careful with the language, <laughs> but basically they were over levered. Yeah. Yeah. Yo's laughing because we were teaching a lot of the MBAs, these kinds of techniques when <laughs> right before they went out and they blew up the economy when we were at Wharton. <laughs> Sorry about that. So, guys. Our comrades <laughs> from uni, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I guess now the, now the hedge fund jobs uh, or the hedge fund internships, I should say in New York uh, only pay $1,800 a week, not $2,000 a week anymore. Um, so very, very sorry. What else is there? Good, any, any, any other good news? Um, is there, oh no, just, just on the point of uh, maybe the, the going regional, I think from a European perspective, I think that's a huge chance for the EU as well, because yeah. we're still basically trying to figure out what the EU is. I mean, it is a region, right? And so we could, if we want to go regional, um, it's a very diverse region and we could um, yeah, make use of a lot of different forms of, for example, energy that we can uh, produce here and a lot of other goods, right? And yeah. I don't think that's being done to a sufficient enough extent yet. Yeah. It's always struck me as a tough balance that you guys are going through because like here we do have a lot of regional variation, but we've sort of, you know, we have unified language and we have like, but also economically. So, and you have so stars we, and stripes, man. We have stars and stripes and people who will tap a, <laughs> tattoo themselves with it. Yes. Like and we stealth are fighters little, going over the football fields. God, we are so weird. <laughs> so we are so weird. Let's got to hold the shit together. <laughs> Well, one of the ways that we do that is we have like massive wealth transfer, right? Like, so a lot of the red mm. states here, you know, they crater their economy every couple of years and <laughs> immediately there are ways for the blue states to pay for them. And I'm, I'm being a little, you know, like, and they're very thankful for that, right? I mean, yeah, they're totally respect. thankful for that. <laughs> totally there and it's and it's all like sort of automated and fast and that's sort of like what you guys got into a bit of fight right like you guys and the greeks and you guys and you know like you know they're, they're we get the along beautifully. Say again? we get along beautifully <laughs> that's not true yeah so I, actually one question that like i haven't mm-hmm. you and i haven't really talked about is like how in germany how do people view what's going on in the uk you know as they started to separate and with the Brexit, you mean? Yeah, with the Brexit. So. Well, I mean, now obviously we're uh, witnessing um, from afar <laughs> yes. how this is backfiring on, on, on yeah. them, right? I mean, they're running out of truck drivers uh, right. and, and, and so forth and, and, and fuel and whatnot. Um, so I think, yeah, it, it was sad. It was obviously something that should never have happened. Um, and yeah, it's... The only thing we can hopefully learn from it is that we have to be really, really careful with the democratic process, uh, yeah. with um, calling for vote of the people that might be yeah, influenced by people who don't mean the best for yeah. the country or for the people. And so, I, I kind of hope that, you know, it's a relatively 
you know, well-off country, it will be able to hold itself together for quite some time. And I hope that's going to serve as like a cautionary tale. You know, I suspect <clears throat> you mentioned this already, but like they're sort of staring down a very challenging winter. You know, there's COVID stuff, but there's also energy is going to be a real issue for them during this winter period <clears throat> and their ability to move, you know, uh, a lot of supplies and stuff. I I know I'm I'm sad for what's about to happen to the UK. Um, mm-hmm. I think we can all see some number of things that are going to be really challenging for them in the next six months, especially like in the, the dark parts of the winter. I do hope that they emerge okay, but I also think it's a really important counterbalance to some of the nationalist, isolationist tendencies that we also see at the same time. Like there is a real value to working closely and integrating yourself with your neighbors and working together and, and connecting markets and yeah, yeah. So which has been happening on a larger scale over the last yes. decades. That's obviously. right. I mean, this is yeah. uh, that collaboration really does do a lot of good. Uh, you know, I think there's something about making yourself strong and like, you know, domestically and building yourself up, but it can't get confused with separating yourself and not mm-hmm. being part of a, a larger community as well. Um, and I think the, the UK definitely sided, I think probably mildly accidentally um, mm-hmm. on the side of like more isolation than they probably mm-hmm. can handle. Yeah. Maybe last point before we close, yeah. uh, I think also since we last uh, recorded, uh, we've had a general election in Germany. Um, uh, yes, and, that's right. Uh, while it is sad to see uh, the leader of the free world uh, hand over her office, Angela Merkel uh, will soon be ex-chancellor of Germany. I think after 16 years of her party in, in power, and I think after 16 years of any party in power, um, it's time for change. Yeah. Um, and we have some yeah, big issues to tackle, uh, most importantly uh, climate change and digitization. Dude, I can't even, I mean, I was, yeah, we've, and Berlin is even more dysfunctional than a lot of other places uh, in mm-hmm. terms of just like the public, just public stuff in general. <laughs> and it showed at the, I mean, I don't know if this, this made the American news. There were some, um, some voting booths here in, in Berlin that ran out of ballots. Uh, and it was really, it was almost, yeah, it queues for hours. It was almost a very American experience. Uh, <laughs> And that's not in the proudest sense, I would say. Uh, and of course, none of it is digitized. Everything's on paper yeah, and everything's right. super slow. And so if you run out of paper, then no one can vote. Um, so yeah, that's not really 2021. Um, but to end this also on a positive note, um, I think this new coalition that's about to be formed within uh, Social Democrats, the Greens, uh, yeah. and the liberal slash libertarians, I think they can they can work some stuff out and mm. uh, and, and hopefully, especially in these two fields um, that I just mentioned, uh, maybe set some new standards and and, and, and work yeah towards a, a better future in this. I, I'm really happy to. So uh, from our perspective, like Angela Merkel has just been like a really steady presence and hand through like a wild period, mm. um, and I'm happy to hear you say that things are resolving to something that you're hopeful about um it is also super weird for americans like to you know you guys have the election and then there's this like coalition building period Mm -hmm. where like we had no idea we all wanted you to like resolve something very quickly where we could understand what germany is going to be all about (laughs) the fact that like you're still talking Uh, i mean i mean you guys have riots in that period right i mean you do the coalition building you you guys storm your capital that's right yeah well that's actually we knew what we were doing (laughs) 
<laughs> well, certainly, yeah, okay. Maybe maybe more active on the Americans' yeah. part. <laughs> we do we do it behind closed doors, you know. Yeah, we're in the room in the room where it happens, yeah. you know. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, no, but I mean, uh, yeah. Let's let's hope for the best here, uh, and who knows? I mean, maybe maybe it was just all empty promises as well, and then right. in, in four years uh, we'll be back to uh, square one. Right. Um, but uh, let's yeah, let's hope for the best. At least in this episode, let's 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 yeah. be positive. No, I mean you know. So let me let me say something like sure. You know, I think Germany being a steady hand, you know, for a number of years, you know, is reassuring to the. To the EU, though obviously people get nervous about, um, but also to the Americans. I mean, like I think being able to like look over the ocean and see a country that's sort of uh, maybe to your eyes not moving quickly enough or not, you know, but like uh, a lot of lot of catching up to do, a lot of catching up to do. Let's put it this way. (laughs) Sure, but being taking the cautious steps, being like a steady force, like that that's Mm -hmm. reassuring for Mm -hmm. for a country over here who's been going a little wild for the the past couple of years mildly and and for those of the listeners who want to relive some of that uh tune back into our first episodes recorded last fall and winter uh where we're both a little bit more on edge uh, than we are now (laughs) (laughs) and with this this was our october episode Uh, we'll be back in november um we did have a Thanksgiving episode last year, so we'll figure something else out right, yeah. we'll to talk that. about. All right, man. All right. Great catching up. That Absolutely. was the Americanist podcast. Um, tune back in in November um, and uh, do subscribe to us and leave a favorable rating uh, wherever you get us, iTunes, Spotify, all the podcast devices and channels. Um, see you around. Thanks, Mike. Take care. Thanks. Bye. Bye-bye.